Welcome to Diving Board, a show about artists, the art they create, and the wide range of social and cultural ideas they explore. I'm Bill Valerio, and I run the Woodmere Art Museum, where we tell the stories of Philadelphia's art and artists. Our latest exhibition is Hearing the Brush, the paintings and poetry of Warren and Jane Rohr, and it remains on view through July 10th. Jane is a neighbor of the museum and an important figure in our community. Warren died in 1995. For more than 40 years, they were an artist couple who produced their work independently, but together under the same roof. Woodmere's show places Jane's poems on the walls of our galleries side by side with Warren's paintings. We selected poems that we feel speak to the paintings, and the result is an intimate, dynamic, and meditative experience that suggests common threads of thought and illuminates the mutual inspiration. Both artists, Warren and Jane, came from multi-generational Mennonite backgrounds, and the exhibit shows how their relationship served each of them as a platform for life in general and for ambitious careers that would be unrestrained by the traditionalism of their backgrounds. And in the spirit of Warren and Jane, we'll be spending this episode hearing from two other artist couples, Sid Carpenter and Steve Donegan, and Mariel Capanna and Tyler Goldman. First, each couple will share the characteristics that have shaped their own relationships and how they support each other as partner artists. Then, we'll be diving into the powerfully moving poetry of Jane Rohrer and the paintings of Warren Rohrer, exploring the dynamic between them with Sid, Steve, Marielle, and Tyler sharing their reflections. It's a pleasure to have Sid Carpenter and Steve Donegan back on Diving Board. In 2021, Diving Board featured their ongoing project at Woodmere, the Earth Mound Sculptures, or Hoogles, which are titled La Cresta, located behind our painting studio. Sid is a ceramicist and mixed-media sculptor, and her primary medium is clay. She's also a professor of studio art at Swarthmore College and was the juror of Woodmere's 2018 annual juried show. Steve is a painter and specializes in jacquard tapestry. He and Sid explore natural themes in their artistic practices and are both avid gardeners. They live in Northwest Philadelphia and met standing in the registration line during the first year of art school at Tyler. While they do provide feedback on each other's work, Sid and Steve had never directly collaborated on a large public art project until working on Woodmere's La Cresta. Here's Sid with a reflection about their work together. It is a dream come true, you know, as artists to be able to combine those things that you love and to be able to do it with your partner and find that both of us as artists gained aesthetic and emotional and psychological stability from joining in together to create these spaces and learning so much together because horticulturally neither of us have 
a background formally and training in horticulture, agriculture, landscaping, any of those things. But as artists, we found that it's been just a learning process that has engaged not only the aesthetic part of our beings, but also the practical and technical and all of that stuff comes together. So it's really been a nice collaboration back and forth. We invited Sid and Steve to Woodmere to share their thoughts with us about being an artist couple while taking in Warren and Jane's work. The day we met with them, there was a field trip at the museum, so you will definitely hear footsteps and voices from time to time in the background during this conversation. The fact that 40 years of being with a person who has been compatible in so many ways, including being an artist, because it's not easy to be an artist couple. There are so many issues that can cause that relationship to deteriorate and ultimately to completely end. So we feel that we have been very, very fortunate and that our relationship has been supportive consistently. There hasn't been um, periods when this isn't working. This has been working. It continues to have momentum. That's what I'm loving about it, is that there's momentum and it builds. And then every day, the opportunity to support each other and to make sure that each other's work is valued and represented in as many ways as possible, to know that to be able to make work because you have good support behind you is, I can't find the words to say how important that is to me. Yeah, I think Sid hit it in a nutshell. We weren't really planning that this was going to be a long relationship. We weren't planning it not to be. It just developed that you realized that this is a good thing and we need this. Both of us needs this kind of thing. And fortunately, we were easy on each other. Whenever there were things that, you know, we had issues with, we resolved our issues in the studio, out of the studio, you know, and just what we could do with the time we have. There's always this conversation in our house about, you know, Sid brings us to my attention that if you're not going to do it now, then when will you do it? You know, this, you must do this if you're thinking about it. And, you know, I came to realize that that was a great improvement on my own view about how things should work. And I've incorporated a lot of the things that she has talked about that are part of her thinking into my own thinking about everything that I do and in my studio practice. There are times when it's being a studio artist and you're not working on commission. You know, it's a hard thing. Everyone you know who does this has the same struggles. But fortunately, we do have that between us that we can, you know, find comfort when we have issues. And when I'm really whining inside about things, I reflect on those issues and that I know that this is really very good and I shouldn't be complaining. So I have to do something else with my time and not fret about these things. People don't become artists. They are, 
and either it's nurtured by their environment and their community or they have to persist and the realization that that's who they are and that there's value in it and that they're going to pursue it and even though there are other voices and other influences and other obstacles to that the fact that the impulse persists and that they're willing to make sacrifices I like to think that the sacrifices can be done thoughtfully but that's not always the case that you are going to encounter resistance. For most people, the idea of doing what we do or what artists do is a bit frightening. I mean, I've got family that doesn't understand that. But one of my family members who is an attorney says, you know, he's argued before the Supreme Court and he's done all kinds of things, but he says, what you do would be terrifying to do that day in, day out without any hope of response, really, because you're doing this on total speculation of your idea. You're just generating these ideas, turning them into a visual result, and then trying to get on stage, so to speak, present your ideas, your conversation with a larger public. And you know, he says, most people would never imagine that's how you should do anything. That you don't do it just to, you know, speculators, we think of speculators as people who buy land, who invest in stock. But that's kind of a formulaic thing, which is, you know, it's already kind of known what the result would be even before you start. You know, the land is either going to go up in value or not. But you may not satisfy anything more than that. And with art, you're having a conversation that is got to thread its way into the languages of from the world and it's got to continue pulling that thread into making it something completely new and it's not easy you know it's just not an easy thing to do and you know when you see young people doing it and you can see the work might be really good and they're losing heart and you want to encourage them you can tell them and Sid's in a position where she can encourage people who are at that age where, you know, they may be getting a lot of pressure from their family. We want you to be this, we want you to be that. Like, you know, I don't want to have to support you your whole life. And that's not what people should expect from artists because they are perhaps the most creative and virtuous at taking care of themselves. When I think about Steve and myself, we both have experienced times when we feel frustrated, where we think, I don't know why I'm doing this and for whom and and then having that encouraging word and it could be one word or the phrase can be get over yourself just that little insertion of reality that comes from another person so that's why I feel fortunate having a partner as an artist couple someone who can get above the issues that can bog us down as individuals and people and have someone just say the right thing. So I feel very, very fortunate in being afforded for so long someone who's able to come in at the right moment and literally say, get over it. If I ask Sid, what do you think of this? 
You know, and I do it with like, oh, I hope I can take it. <laughs> and she'll tell me what I didn't see that it might need. And she'll ask me about things that she's working on. So in that sense, there is a little bit of feedback and collaboration on the work. So there's this partnership that's good and understanding that it can be the right word or the right question, the right observation, and also just being sensitive to that there's another artist in the space. And what is that person experiencing right now? Because I do know the reality of it is you can get frustrated depending upon what you think is important about what you do. We'll be hearing from Sid and Steve again later in the show. Now we're turning to Mariel Capana and Tyler Goldman. I had the opportunity to work with them on our 2021 exhibition, Body Language, The Art of Larry Day. Each of them, as a poet and painter, shared with us their thoughts on that most cerebral, most poetical, figurative artist. You can find that Zoom conversation on Woodmere's website. Marielle and Tyler attended Germantown French School in Philadelphia, but became a couple later on as young adults. Marielle is a graduate of PAFA and maintains an oil painting practice specializing in the techniques of fresco painting. In the middle of my first year at PAFA, Tyler was home for winter break. We bumped into each other thanks to some mutual friends. And there was just the fact that Tyler was studying poetry and had these relationships with professors. There was something about his pursuit of poetry that really made me feel understood in my pursuit of drawing and painting. And it wasn't until six years later that we actually became a couple. But it was certainly the fact of his pursuit of poetry and my pursuit of visual art that made me feel so connected to him during that reconnection. And Tyler recently completed his PhD in English literature and creative writing from the University of Utah. He has his own poetry practice and is also a translator of ancient Latin to modern English with a special interest in the ancient Roman poet Marshall. Marielle and Tyler spoke with us over Zoom from Massachusetts, where Marielle has a fellowship at my alma mater, Williams College, in the studio art program teaching fresco painting and doing research. We both require a fair bit of alone time and private time for our work. And the question of giving one another space very rarely comes up because we each individually whether we like it or not, are forced to simply make that space, to take that space for ourselves. There winds up being not all that much to negotiate, I think. We are in different ways, despite the fact that we work in different media, out of both expedience and also out of a sort of more deliberate and, and careful decision, each other's first viewers and first readers and that doesn't necessarily always mean that work is subject to long discussions or considerations as we are working on it. But at the end of any given day, the likelihood that one of us has something to show the other is rather high. And we are able to do that for each other, which is quite lovely as our eyes and ears for each other's fields and each other's work individually grows and develops and changes over time. 
I had taken this for granted until just this moment that my choice to spend time painting has never been something that I need to justify to Tyler. It's never a question. I never need to say why. He has always, from the beginning, accepted fully and completely that this is a serious and important pursuit for me. But there are certainly times, especially when I have creative deadlines, when I can become stressed out, plagued by self-doubt, kind of crippling self-doubt. And Tyler um, is pretty great at talking me off the proverbial ledge, encouraging me to, you know, just get a good amount of sleep and eat well and just take care of basic human needs. I've always felt very supported by him, especially in these more stressful, creative moments. Though I have not titled all of Mariel's paintings, I have titled a handful and we have worked together with a great many to kind of develop both an idea of how these titles might work and more explicitly what each of them might be. My titles tend to be lists or kind of short inventories of things that you might be able to find and name in my paintings, and they all share a similar rhythm. And it's a very kind of sing-songy nursery rhyme, like the rhythm of those words in succession is very important to me. And though I've been titling my paintings this way for many, many years, I mean, predating my relationship with Tyler. I think that their rhythm has become increasingly important and I've become more and more sure of when those titles are off or not quite right. There is something so uh, composed and careful about Marielle's paintings and compositional sense that it has always seemed to me and increasingly over the years to her that the titles of the paintings ought to be equally well-rendered and careful without being precious or fussy. We're now going to focus on the artist couple Warren and Jane Rohr, who inspired this episode and Woodmere's exhibition, Hearing the Brush. The first thing I'll say is that the title, Hearing the Brush, is a line from a poem by Jane in which she brings the reader into the intimate space of Warren's studio as he is painting. For me, as an art historian, this is a unique journey into a side of the arts that is usually private, personal. Let me add that the show was supposed to take place in the spring of 2020 and had to be postponed due to the pandemic. It was originally intended as a companion show to the exhibition at Penn State's Palmer Museum about Warren and Jane. That exhibition was called Field Language and it was rescheduled and took place in 2021. Woodmere is indebted to our professor friends at Penn State, poet Julia Kasdorf, and art historian Christopher Reed, who came up with the idea for the show. Woodmere is also grateful to the Daniel W. Dietrich Foundation, which is our primary sponsor. I'm going to share some key points about Warren and Jane's work, the thinking behind the exhibition, and I'll recite several of Jane's poems. 
Please also check out the Palmer's website and Woodmere's website for more videos, Zoom recordings, and recordings of public programs that deepened the experiences of the two exhibitions. The Palmer also produced a catalog that serves both shows, and that can be obtained at Woodmere or through either museum's websites. Warren and Jane Rohrer grew up in Mennonite farming communities. Warren was from Pennsylvania and Jane from Virginia. The two met at a Mennonite college in the late 1940s and eventually broke away from their Mennonite upbringings. Warren went on to Penn State to study art and he pursued a career as an abstract painter, starting out with the inspiration of nature and forms in landscape. He also became a professor at what is now the University of the Arts. Jane, who had a longtime penchant for poetry, raised the couple's two sons and launched her practice later in life, becoming a widely admired published poet. Together, they spent a substantial portion of their lives on a farm in Pennsylvania's Lancaster County and later in northwest Philadelphia, where they lived at Lower Cogsley, the former studio and home of the internationally acclaimed muralist Violet Oakley and former Woodmere Art Museum director Edith Emerson. Violet and Edith were a seminal creative couple in Philadelphia, too, and near and dear to our hearts at Woodmere. We profiled them on earlier episodes of Diving Board, in case you haven't heard those yet. So it was fitting that Warren and Jane moved into Lower Cogsley after Edith passed away. And actually, for a time, Warren stretched his canvases at Woodmere while he and Jane were renovating the house. As of this recording, Jane still lives in Lower Cogsley and came to the opening of our exhibition. Warren passed away in 1995. Here's an excerpt of an interview with Warren that's archived at the Smithsonian. And while in my beginning years I was interested in drawing, occasions for thinking about that was only in relationship to what degree a young person would be demonstrating certain skills in which his parents would see something that they would say to their friends or to the other families or members of, of the family. Look what Warren has done. And uh, <clears throat> my mother had done a lot of drawing. And, uh, and I used to remember going to see her rolled up her sheaves of um, bird drawings and uh, bird watercolors. And I used to also be aware of the degree that my grandfather, uh, my mother's father, when I went to visit him, I would always ask him to entertain me with his drawings, a drawing of animals or farm animals particularly. So in that sense, the drawing or painting was incidental to one's life or so should with one's life. So, but as far as being ever acquainted with art in the bigger sense, I did not have that sort of thing. Um, wasn't part of my experience. We've also got an audio clip of Jane reciting her poetry, including this poem called Place. The words dappled with sunlight floated across the open field as I drove by. You understand the dapples did not float, or the sunlight, just the words. Since by that time I had passed, 
and would never see that green instant again. Yet it is cut in permanence and perfect in my most real of archives, a small gallery of moving frames from another place while I am here. Warren is an abstract painter inspired by nature, farming, and the landscapes of Lancaster and the woods of the Wissahickon. You experience his paintings. They are sensual in color and form, with brushstrokes sculpted in order to capture light and offer a physical experience through art. At the same time, Jane's poetry offers a sensation of place, time, memory, and the movement between thoughts and physical reality. The poems are spiritual, metaphorical, often expressing the love between her and Warren, and later, after his death, the emotions of loss. I'd like to contribute a favorite painting poem pair, and the painting is Bowl of Fruit 1960, and the poem is Apple. The painting is, it's a still life of a bowl of fruit with kind of mostly kind of fleshy colors kind of smushed all around the edges of the canvas. And then toward the center, there's this bowl of fruit with just rich, pithy looking, like a bright yellow, bright red fruit. This was my favorite painting of the bunch from the get-go. And then this poem that pairs with it, Jane's poem is very sexy, I think. And there are a couple of these poems in the collection that seem pretty overtly like to be sexy poems about Warren. And, you know, that was very charming for me to see and to notice, which then, you know, I look back at this fruit bowl surrounded by these kind of fleshier colors. And I, I wonder, wait, is, is that a sexy painting too? I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know that I would have read it that way, but you know, next to this Apple poem, yes, absolutely. I might also just quickly draw our attention to the gear shift poem, which is a, a, another only so thinly veiled, uh, rather sexual poem paired with, again, similarly, a painting from 1966 called Anemones, which is not in and of itself immediately readable as an erotic painting, but somehow uh, looking at the two in tandem has something in its richness and fecundity, something of the erotic in it. I'm now going to recite the gear shift poem. If I look at his hand on the gear shift, my thighs will open. My palm will settle to his thick wrist, feel which way to move down the back of his hand to the skin tip up his sleeve, to rough, jacket, shoulder, shirt, neck, hair black bouncing to my hand, sending messages to my whole self. Here in the car, after 28 years, it is still happening. If his hand ever, now gliding, level first to window, then to radio, lights, I will stroke it, thinking yes, and wanting not to cage him in, inhabit. You're right along there with her. And I like that. There's some physicality there. 
just think, there's this woman out here with this Mennonite man. And they're out there getting it on. You know, and I just think this is really very interesting and wonderful in the context of thinking about couples as artists. I think when you look at the sort of quietude of Jane and Warren's work, because there is a certain amount of quiet in their work, but with an intensity of thinking of the subtlety and visual reference in that quiet. How do you make the quiet get your attention? And I really do love the way that they respond to each other in their work. And it's hard to say that Warren responds directly to Jane's poems because we can't read them the same way. And Jane's work sometimes is referring to Warren in her work as opposed to the actual work he's on. But she does make references to landscape and to the environment and to the atmosphere that's out there. And you know that obviously they were having a conversation with each other without really saying, what do you think of this? And I like that. They really depended on each other's energy and the, the sort of their eloquence in this quietude that they were exploring that was away from the majority of what people were focusing on in art at the time, and yet it survives, and it's really quite strong. I think that what stands out to me is the unspoken necessity for an artist couple to provide an atmosphere that enables the other partner. Now, I would be naive in saying that that atmosphere is always going to be a peaceful one because we don't know where creativity, how it gets ignited. Sometimes it does get ignited by conflict. But in this case, looking at Warren and looking at Jane's work, I doubt that conflict was a part of it. There didn't need to be antagonism to create a response that would ultimately be reflected in the vitality of the work. Coming in here and seeing the show and reading these pieces that were chosen to go next to each poem painting, you realize that they do get stronger together, which is really quite what I wasn't expecting because I don't think I've ever seen a show that has a couple where one is doing this so different from this. And if you look at Warren's paintings, they look like a color field of abstract painting, but then you notice that the whole pattern of how he puts the brushes on are making these shapes that could be where they lived, you know, how the field looks. And I know this has been noted in his history about He's living for 20 years out towards Lancaster. But you can see the landscape in the work. And then with Jane's pieces next to him, you really do understand a lot of the connection with the land and with each other particularly. Because you can read in Jane's work what she's thinking about in terms of what he's doing and the overall picture. And I was really surprised in a good way that you know, there was this strength between them. There's a reliance 
There's independence, obviously. You get that dual advantage of independence, but at the same time being able to rely. And that creates a, a certain level of security. Because once again, as Steve mentioned, there's that issue of fear. And so to have someone that you can rely on to clarify what your fear is about and how you can get over it and move through and just allow that thing that has been inside of you to go through its machinations and changes and anxieties because that's always it. It's always in there. It's not always a joyful experience making art. And so it's having someone who can recognize when it's taking a wrong turn in terms of its capacity to limit you. Because those kinds of things can do so magically. And before you know it, you know, we know artists who have just stopped making for years and have to recover from it. And so we have been fortunate as a couple to be empathetic enough about each other's experience as an artist to avoid those kind of long-term, often devastating periods of not being able to make because you've lost faith in yourself as an artist. So being in a couple that is empathetic towards each other is been unbelievably important to me. As we conceived the idea for this exhibition, one of Woodmere's main goals has always been to showcase the intimacy between Jane the poet and Warren the painter. One of the pairings I'd like to draw attention to is Warren's painting, Conflicting Thought, and Jane's poem, In the Studio. This poem inspired the title for our exhibition, Hearing the Brush. I'm going to read that poem for you now. In the Studio. He is brushing, stroke by rose matter stroke, on the clean ground of the canvas. The documentary filmmaker leans close, his big camera obscuring his head. The local newspaper photographer leans into the space behind the filmmaker, adjusts his lens, and photographs the filmmaker filming the artist painting. I am a camera. This is your picture of what I see. Now you are in the picture, and behind you stands one who sees the whole thing. And behind him, and behind him, his ear close, hearing the brush. The movie camera was set up, and then behind that was a cameraman with a, a still taking pictures, and she was behind them all watching and recording the entire thing. And I thought, that's so poignant. I mean, it was just everything about what it is when you're thinking of your work, and then there's someone else coming in. You wonder, will they actually get it? Will they actually get what Warren is doing? And... You know, and I think about that whenever we have a show and when people come in, you know, Sid recently had a show and you are sort of the fly on the wall if you don't know everybody and you get to hear what they say and you think like, I wonder if they really got it. And you realize most artists don't get each other's work in the depth that it is really about for that person who made it. 
As Steve described, you can feel the connection between Jane and Warren, and she places the reader right in the studio with Warren. We are like the newspaper photographer or the filmmaker, in there, observing, recording, as Warren applies paint, stroke by stroke, using rose matter, which is an ancient organic color used famously in the frescoes of Pompeii. It's that sense of Warren and Jane in the studio together, in their house, doing their thing. He is painting and she's writing poems that are a part of the same creative process. Here's Tyler with a poet's interpretation talking about ekphrasis, which is the art of writing in order to capture and convey visual experiences. This is not uncommon in the sort of long history of ekphrastic poetry. Poetry is written in some amount of response to visual artworks, which has a long and ripe history, which began largely based in description of the artwork or ornamentation in question. But as it develops over centuries, millennia, often later becomes an occasion for interpretation, for more meditation and consideration. And ultimately, in something more postmodern, like considering the artifice of representation more broadly. And you actually see in Jane's poems, poems that kind of fit all three of those types of descriptions, poems that describe some of Warren's paintings rather faithfully and carefully and descriptively, poems that occasion more interpretation and poems that like in the studio where Warren's painting is in the process of being made. There's a documentary filmmaker documenting this process while a local news photographer is documenting the documentation of the painting. And Jane is there documenting the documentation of the documentation of the painting. It's clear that in some sense, these are the types of worlds of viewing and thinking that were occasioned by these paintings. And it is true that just living with and being around people who are making things forces a confrontation with heady questions of theory and making sure, but more just the materiality and basic day-to-day realities of what it is like to be making something where something was not before. Something I've been struck by looking at and reading through these painting poem pairs, you know, of course, I've only been handed some small window into their world, but it really feels like a world that is theirs. You know, in my own relationship with Tyler, just how meaningful it can be for one single person to believe in the thing you're doing or to show interest in the thing that you're doing. You know, it is so clear from Jane's poems that Warren's paintings and his process of paintings were a meaningful object for her. She continued to look at him and look at his process of painting, and she was clearly engaged with it in a deep way. And, you know, especially because creative processes do often involve moments of self-doubt or, you know, some kind of 
what am I doing and why kinds of questions, just to have one person who's consistently there interested can sustain it. That can keep it going. And given that Warren and Jane both broke from the family expectations of staying Mennonite, Sid has observed what might have been an inner drive within Warren to paint abstractly in the ways that he did. You could see this insistence on making and making at a high level and uncompromising, willing to change, willing to risk, and knowing that there was not necessarily a payday at the end of this, but convinced that the effort was something that they could not deny within themselves and that ultimately these things would live beyond them. And that, I think, is a real testimony to, once again, that insistence and that necessity within the species itself. Because you could ask the question, the big question, why are humans creative? The human species has found it unavoidable to be creative because there's very little purpose in it in terms of survival. You don't need to have a painting or, you know, a print or a sculpture to survive. But somehow there's an imperative to have these things. The exploration of Warren's paintings together with Jane's poems, is for me a unique, special journey. I've never known a body of poetry that wraps so beautifully around the body of a painter's work. I really do hope you will come visit us at Woodmere and spend time in our galleries absorbing the visual and poetic works of Warren and Jane Rohr. Let's end our episode with this poem called Story, recited by Jane. Don't think the story moves before us like a single file of horses passing along a horizon line in the eye. Don't think there is a story at all. Rather, a great congress of scenes on a stage revolving once in 24 hours. It's theater in the round, and we are the audience, which is, of course, on stage also. In a rare instant when we are not performing, we see through the curtain the act that just passed in its slow merry-go-round motion to the sound of calliope and recognize ourselves as we are everywhere at once. And for upcoming events around Hearing the Brush, stay in touch with us on social media at Woodmere Art and online at woodmereartmuseum.org. My very special thanks to Sid Carpenter, Steve Donegan, Mariel Capanna, and Tyler Goldman for spending time with us on Diving Board. Also, big thanks to the Daniel W. Dietrich Foundation, to our friends at the Locks Gallery who have been championing Warren's painting since the early parts of his career, and to our friends and colleagues at the Palmer Museum at Penn State University. I'd also like to thank the many generous lenders who allowed us to pull paintings off of their walls for the sake of our exhibition. 
Diving Board is produced by Stephanie Marutis of Covenda Media and mixed by Brad Linder. And I'm Bill Valerio. Thanks for joining us.